my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. What's up? I'm Laura Carrenti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to Adlandia, episode two. So we have a great guest this episode, Lisa Sherman, president and CEO of the Ad Council. But before we get into the interview, we want to thank the Adlandia community. What a welcome back. Tweets, the emails, the reposts, the you got to listen to the show. Amazing. It felt so good to be back. Didn't it feel good to be back? It's awesome. And, and big shout out to Sarah Fisher over at Axios for the awesome coverage on the relaunch of the show. If you're not already subscribing to Axios Media Trends newsletter, make sure you go check that out. One of the best newsletters in the business. So Alexa, with that, let's get into the interview. So we got in touch with Lisa actually at the beginning of COVID to do this episode because what the Ad Council was doing was they were quickly responding, working with the White House and the CDC to get the message out about COVID, safety, health, et cetera. And I think what's really important, and Laura, you said this to me, was that there was such a focus on speed over perfection. And I think that that message for the industry and actually all of us as individuals, sometimes we grind right? We grind to getting it perfect. But that's not the point always. 
point is just get it out. Start getting a response. Start gathering community. Start getting your audience rallied. And I think that the Ad Council is one of the most important organizations in the industry and actually in the country to get things out into the world that are like critical societal issues. So really excited about this interview. Over to Lisa Sherman. We'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. 
It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Lisa Sherman, president and CEO of Ad Council. So excited to have Lisa on the show. Welcome. Welcome, Lisa. I'm as excited to be here as you guys are to have me. Thank you <laughs> so much. Lisa, we have so much to talk about. We want to turn it over to you to share with Adlandia what Ad Council is, uh, a bit of a crash course on the history of it, um, and, and sort of where you see it going. Terrific. It's my favorite topic. Um, So, you know, I like to think of the Ad Council as the place where creativity and causes converge. And our mission is really to use the power of communications to take on the most important issues facing our country. And our roots, interestingly enough, go all the way back to World War II, when uh, the country was about to go to war. It was right after Pearl Harbor. And FDR actually understood the power of communications and called all of the leaders of the advertising community to Washington to brief them on the war effort. And then he convinced them to develop advertising campaigns to get the country behind the war effort. So things like war bonds came out of that initial effort. It used to be called the War Advertising Council, actually. Um, Loose Lips Sink Ships, a very famous ad. that came out of that period of time. And they use the model that we use today. Agencies and content creators developed the work. Media companies made sure that the the, the messages were seen uh, by, by the right people. And brands were there supporting them. Um, and that's exactly what we're doing today. Obviously, there are way more content creators, way more media platforms. Brands are playing very different roles. Um, but that's what we do. So Lisa, fast forward to 2020. Here you are as a CEO of the Ad Council during a global pandemic. Can you take us through what the last few months have been like for you? The Ad Council was wired for times like this. That's what we do. Um, when we heard the day that the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic, we were on the phone with our partners at the CDC and, and HHS asking what we could do because it was very clear early on that we needed to get fact-based tangible information into the hands of the American public. So they knew what to do. They knew how to take care of themselves. Um, And so literally, we reached out to a couple of our partners, our our friends at NBC Universal, our friends at Viacom CBS. um, And over a weekend, we stood up two massive campaigns that we got into the market in five days. Amazing. Um, They all focused on early days. Social distancing, a term we'd never heard of, really. Um, Hand washing and hygiene, focusing on high-risk populations, people that were more at risk of getting sick. Um, And um, yeah, it was an extraordinary, it was an extraordinary effort. And 
you know, I've sort of keeping my little list of sort of a COVID playbook because, you know, you don't like plan to be in a crisis or a pandemic, but speed to me is one of the most important things that has to happen when something like this strikes. And um, we, I think, uh, even surprised ourselves, frankly, at how quickly we were able to get it done. How were you guys actually able to produce this stuff? You know, the um, the creative shops within both of those media companies handled all of the production. Um, I know that one one round of work that we did were, you know, Dr. Fauci talking to, to camera, um, Dr. Brex talking to camera. And they were shooting that stuff at the White House and and literally just sending it via email to to folks. And that's how it got done. I mean, it was crazy. And then on the Viacom CBS side, they they developed a really brilliant platform called Alone Together, really targeting young people. Um, they used their own talent um, who were all calling in from home and and shooting stuff on their phones. Um, they used great animation. And I think that the trick that allowed us to scale so quickly is that we did everything open source. So we created a set of assets. We then said, but if you don't want to use those assets, if you're a media, if you have a platform that you want to use, we'll send you the scripts. You can shoot your own stuff um, or we'll give you a creative brief and you can do your own thing as long as it's true to the brief. And people were just grabbing stuff and wanting to help. It was like everybody just wanted a job and everybody took that, those assets and those, the, the ability to do their own thing and just started producing tons of work and getting it out there. I think in the first two weeks, we had over $50 million in donated media and now we're up over $200 million in the first eight weeks. Wow. Amazing. And you've reached like billions and billions yeah. of impressions and yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, when you're talking about the Ad Council and Laura and I have been in the industry for a while now. Is that something that's going to last post COVID? This idea of open source, like how do you take an issue and actually create open source, you know, content and creative? Well, I certainly think for the work that we do, I, I, I am all in on that idea because, you know, we would traditionally work with a single agency um, to produce work which was always fantastic. I mean, Smokey Bear has been around for 75 years and FCB has been doing that work for 75 years, which is extraordinary when you think about it. Um, but when you need to scale fast and you need to move quickly, I think the ability to uh, give people the tools to do it themselves, um, uh, as long as it's true to the brief, why not? It's interesting because unfortunately, I don't think COVID is going to be our last public health Correct. crisis, right? And Correct. so speed is now a new metric. Yeah. Um, but it's like a- absolutely critical. It's truly about people's yeah. lives. I think the other thing is that um, the ad council is that place where competitive brands, competitive agencies, competitive media companies really always come together because there is a higher calling and a higher purpose. And I think that you know, for CBS, uh, Viacom, and, and NBC Universal to produce things that were brand agnostic. It, like it wasn't about getting the credit; it was about helping solve a massive problem. And that's part of the the amazing secret sauce of the Ad Council and this industry when we come together um, to to work on these issues. Are there best practices 
as you look back over the course of the last few months that you might offer to brands who are still sort of in this space of figuring out when is the right time to step in with what message? Mm-hmm. I have really been like listening to others and, and trying to absorb and learn and, and just, just observe our own teams and what we're doing. And I, I do have a couple of things that I'm, I'm certainly happy to share. I mean, one of the things I will share is that people should be sharing more. You know, um, we can all learn from each other. And, and there's no pride of authorship in some of this stuff. Quick decisions, not time for perfection, the ability to be agile, the ability to pivot. I mean, we were talking to the CDC every single day. And on any given day, there was a pivot. And we would have to figure out literally in a phone call what we were going to do the next day to adopt to either a new set of messaging or an, an adjustment to a message. Like that's stuff we never thought we could do before. So speed is critical. I think what's so interesting is that as we all adjust to a new reality, we might reveal a better reality. We agree. What's the thing that surprised you or your team the most in this process? You know, I think, look, we all have process, right? And our processes are, especially at a 75-year-old company organization like ours, like they're very entrenched. And we tell ourselves all the reasons why we can't change the process until you have to. And all of a sudden, you just got to get stuff done. You know, you don't have to get it approved by 10 people. Two people say, let's go and you go. Yeah. Now, look, I mean, that's what happened. And I don't think you can survive in that mode, you know, when you're sort of back to normal. But, but there's a version of that that has to go forward 100%. How do you start to set the agenda on what you're focusing on? So look, I mean, you know, if, if your mission, our mission is to take on the most important issues facing the country, and we know there are no shortage of issues, it's mostly really about how do you prioritize the ones that warrant the resources and the talents of this industry to get behind. And so, you know, many, many people come to us with issues, but we, we have an advisory committee, um, which is really like a think tank that's made up of educators, social scientists, um, policy people that are studying, educators that are studying what these issues are. And then they help us really think about, is the issue of big enough scale, right? Is it, is it, does it warrant us really sort of convening the industry behind it? Uh, is it something that communications can really make a difference in moving the needle? Is there a specific target audience? Is there a specific call to action? What are you asking people to do? We also, I think, and I think one of the the, the reasons that the Ad Council is so successful, especially in times like this, is that we are a nonpartisan organization. You know, and I like to say that, well, I don't believe any of these issues are political issues. I believe almost every issue today seems to get politicized in some way. And so, we're sort of the honest broker. If it comes from the ad council, people understand that it's science-based, it's fact-based. We're able to speak to both sides and have this amazing ability to thread the needle on issues that can be difficult. And so we take all of that into consideration. Um, and then we make some decisions about what we're going to, what we're going to support on any given year. We'll probably take on two to three new issues. And many of the issues we have, we've been running for a long time because the other thing is we don't take, we don't do short-term stuff. Like our goal is to solve the problem. And when you're trying to change behavior, that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, stop. Amazing. For every marketer out there, 
if you're really truly trying to solve something, it's usually not going to be a short term thing. You, you got to be in. A hundred percent. So we make commitments for a minimum of three years. When we take an issue on, we know we're taking it on for a minimum of three years. And then, as I said, many of our, our issues have been around for 10, 20, more, more than that. How do people currently get involved in Ad Council, supporting Ad Council? And what are things that you've been thinking about that might be different than the way things have been done, but you're, you're very open to potentially exploring? So I think, look, the, tr- the model really still holds. We are comprised of every aspect of the ecosystem of our industry. So we've got agencies who want to help and be assigned an issue. Um, and uh, when we get a new issue and we're thinking about taking a new issue on, we think about who would be the right agency to do that. And we've broadened our portfolio of agencies so much in the last several years. Um, as we're talking here, I think going forward, we might think about multiple agencies or other content creation partners who can participate in a more open sourced way. Um, we look at how do we develop the right media strategy and get these messages to the right person at the right place at the right time. If you have a platform, we would love to work with you in helping to get our messages out. And then, of course, um, we're always looking at innovation and um, we're working, you know, just in COVID, like two or three weeks in, we created the first private marketplace for nonprofits uh, with partners like Cadrion and Engine and the Trade Desk, who helped us stand this thing up and was, we're, I think we've served, I don't know, 100 million impressions already, all donated. Like it's that's amazing. something that we talked about doing and we knew that it would really be helpful to us in our longer term strategy. But again, quickness, speed, necessity, we got it done in two weeks. Um, so I think if you have ideas, um, and then if there are certain issues, like Laura, you and I have talked, if there are issues that you or your team are interested in, we have lots of groups that sort of dig deep in those issues. If it's something around climate change or immigration, we will find ways to plug people in because our model doesn't work unless we've got lots of hands on deck. How are you measuring impact coming out of activity that the Ag Council is leading? Every single campaign, before we even present it for approval, we lay out what's success look like? How do we define whether we're going to really move the needle on this issue? So it tends to be very issue specific. Um, uh, You know, just recent example, early days of COVID, our goal was to get as many people to the CDC website to get information on how to take care of themselves. Um, And so we were able to track what we were able to do there, you know, with the, the media that we had and the scale that we were able to quickly create. I can tell you how many people went to the website, probably 30 million people. But I, I do think some of that did help to begin flattening the curve that we've seen. When I look at Love Has No Labels, I think about a much bigger impact into the zeitgeist of the country. Mm-hmm. How are you looking at that? I mean, if you have the think tank and the data scientists and folks like that, are, are you are you looking at the lasting fabric of a conversation that you're creating as well? So for Love Has No Labels, I mean, that is true behavior change, right? Um, how do I, first of all, do, am I aware of my own unconscious bias? 
um, does that allow me to think differently with that awareness about how I see other people? And that we're really tracking and have been tracking over the last five years through uh, a continuous tracking study asking these very specific questions and have seen double-digit increases in in that. But look, here we are. I mean, xenophobia is rearing its horrible, you know, ugly head. Um, and so we have a we have a lot of work to do. Are there insights or best practices that you can share that brands should consider, can consider when they think about taking on initiatives that have that level of impact that go far beyond transaction? To me, it all starts with values. Like I think you have to feel, you have to be very grounded in values and the sense of purpose of an organization. Like if you don't have a cultural compass that guides you, um, then you're not really able to um, authentically fulfill this idea of purpose-driven marketing. Um, I'm much more about um, substance over form. Like I feel like you got to walk the talk. You've got to put your money where your mouth is. And I think um, more and more brands are starting to do that. You know, I always think about Beth Comstock when she says, if you see a better way to do things, you have an obligation to do them. And I think people in our industry are looking for ways to give back that go beyond our daily work. So Lisa, how are you seeing people collaborating right now? Well, look, I mean, I really feel like the way we've been able to show up in the last eight weeks has set a new bar for us as an organization. And I think this idea of coalitions and people coming together, I think this idea of open source and brand agnostic work that allows things to scale quickly. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, even for us, like somebody called the other day and they wanted to know if this was an ad council thing. And I heard what they were doing and they had already put a lot of the pieces together. And I'm like, we don't need to own this, but if there's a place in this group that you're putting together where we can add some value that's not being covered, like I'll sign up for that. You know, it doesn't have to be all owned and operated all the time anymore. Um, which is new for us. And I think it may be new for others. And so I think there's something in all of those elements um, that I believe we will take forward and that will allow us as an industry to do more and and drive even more impact um, and to do it at a much larger scale. I'm totally thinking there's a ad council Atlandia collaboration somewhere in here. It's like ca- cause Landia. I, I, I can see it. I, I can see it. it. <laughs> but Lisa, I, if we can um, pivot for a second, because it feels like this is something you've been doing the entirety of your career. Um, in, in a bit of our research, reading uh, an article um, that was written by your alma mater at Dickinson, we found this paragraph that I was like, Alexa, I'm going to read this on on the show. Um, so if I may, for just a second, um, realizing that the newly founded WNBA and the victorious 1996 U.S. women's soccer team had raised the public's awareness of women's sports, this former Dickinson student athlete, which I found out you played basketball and lacrosse, um, took a calculated risk and co-founded a women's sports marketing agency. It was a big leap after 17 years of the same company, but I learned at Dickinson that you learn by doing and that when something is right, you feel it in your gut. It sounds like you've never deviated from that, Lisa. Can you just take us for a second on the journey from founding a women's sports marketing agency? Um, fast forward to CEO of Ad Council. 
Well, I will say about my career that it was not a linear career at all. Um, but what I will t- say in sort of looking backwards, because uh, that's the only way to sort of figure out where the dots are connected. Um, every twist and turn, every up and down, every success and failure led to the next thing. And so when people ask me, you know, what advice I have for them, if they're starting out, I'm like, got to take risks. You got, you, you've got to change it up and shake it up because you just stay in the same thing for too long. You're just not going to grow. Um, so I left the company after 17 years. Um, and I followed my passion, uh, which was sports. And, uh, at a time when women's sports was really emerging, um, and the, and you could just see the enthusiasm and the excitement for in, really in the piece that you just read um, around the Olympics and the WNBA and um, these women athletes who were these heroes for so many of us. Um, and I thought we've used sports as a vehicle to reach men through advertising and marketing forever, but women are making all the so many of the decisions in the household. Like why wouldn't we use women's sports as a vehicle to for brands to reach their audiences. So that was the idea. We went out and we, you know, tested it with a bunch of people. We raised some venture money um, and we uh, launched the Women's Sports Network. And um, it was the first time in my life that I did something where I aligned my passion with the work that I did. And honestly, that was a cocktail that was completely intoxicating. Um, I worked harder than I'd ever worked, and I was more energized and excited than I'd ever been. Um, And we had some great clients, um, and we were cooking along pretty well. That was sort of Internet 1.0. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we got caught up in 9-11. 9-11 happened. The world changed. Um, you know, when you're like the new thing that brands are trying in their budgets, it's the first thing to go sort of like a moment like now, like things are getting cut and it was very clear we weren't going to make it work. And so we had to shut our business down and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But honestly, I look back and even in that moment, I had zero regrets. I learned so much about myself and about this idea that I could never, ever again work at a place where I didn't have that. I didn't feel that thing in my gut. And so um, I went on from there. I spent a couple of years at an agency um, doing new business development and account management. But I got a call um, to uh, see if I was interested in launching a new cable network at Viacom called Logo, which was going to be the first ever ad-supported cable network on the planet targeting the LGBT audience. And I thought, sounds like an amazing job, but I have no TV experience. And I told the recruiter, I wasn't sure I was the right person. He said, we should meet anyway. So we had our breakfast and it turns out that they were looking for somebody who could build a brand, was entrepreneurial, could run a business um, and do new business development. And the guy who was going to be developing all the content and the TV shows was somebody who was a genius and we were going to partner together. And I got the job. And that took this notion of combining my passion with my work and put it on steroids. Because to do something that was that groundbreaking and that important, um, and and for me um, as a gay woman, like it was just 
I, I can't even begin to describe to you what it felt like when we turned that, we literally flipped the switch and saw it on the TV. It was amazing. Um, so I did that. And uh, again, it was a very mission-driven culture that we built. And we really gave, um, gave people a home base on television for the first time. Um, we were running a very successful business. And nine years later, I got a call from another recruiter about this thing called Ad Council. And I will tell you that day, I literally felt lightning run through my body when they mentioned this because I wasn't that involved in the Ad Council. I mean, I knew what it was, of course, but I thought, wow, I could use the power of media and marketing and advertising, not just to work on one issue uh, against a single audience, but I could work on many issues. And I decided that day I had to have this job. And I literally was, like I set up a war room in my house. I had pictures of all the people on the search committee. I was doing deep dives into the history of the ad council. I just was all in. And um, luckily I got the job. And I, and I will say, I say it all the time, I, I, I do have the very best job on the planet. It, for me to align all the work that I've ever done, I worked at a media company. I worked at an agency. I worked at a brand. I started my own business. And now I get to take all that experience um, and use it all with our amazing industry to make the world a better place. Like it just doesn't get better than that. The article from Dickinson goes on to quote you as saying, when you were the COO and co-founder of the Women's Sports Network, every day was electrifying, she remembers. I felt there was a purpose in my work. I like I get chills reading that because and and just hearing the story you just went through because it's so evident um that you never looked back and I think you know for Alexa and I and and I'm assuming our, the community that's listening to this episode um if we could all be so fortunate um to have that uh wow you know it's just incredible so thank you for sharing that story with us what would the name of your book be huh the shermanator <laughs> that's what my team calls me. Can I just tell you that's what my team calls me, the Shermanator? Shermanator. Really? We need to get you a t shirt. That We're going to get you a t shirt, Shermanator. So funny. No, but you can answer that question. I won't answer for you. <laughs> there's, a ter- there's a phrase that I use, and I think I would use it uh, on the book. It would, it's a boat that doesn't rock doesn't move. Mm. Mm. That's I like awesome. That I love that. And so, Lisa, our final question which is one we ask all of our guests, what is your kill by DIY? Mm-hmm. If you could kill anything, buy anything, or do anything yourself in the industry or in the world, what would it be? Sky's the limit. Wow. Well, this won't surprise you, but I, I think what I would kill is all of the vitriol and hate that is showing up on social media. It's just horrible. And I think these social platforms have done a lot of good and they've connected a lot of people. But uh, honestly, what lives there, um, uh, in addition, is just awful. And I would kill it if I could. What would you buy? Well, I really want a set of golf clubs because I've just decided I'm going to take up golf. <laughs> um, but um, I think what I, you know, what this has taught me, this sort of stay at home thing, I'd buy time. Like you can't, like I just would love to have. I've enjoyed the time at home, which I'd never really got very much of before. I have enjoyed the time with my family. Um, and so I would buy more time. I think that's one of the best answers we've ever actually had on this show. Is that right? It, yeah, I think so. And it's, uh, 
I couldn't agree more. I'm with you on time. Let's double down on time. What would you do yourself? Well, you know, Laura, I, uh, and Alexa, like that women's sports network idea was ahead of its time. Let's bring it back. And I really, really, really would love to find a way to do more with girls in sports um, and, and, and figure out the right value proposition. I, I'd probably do a one-for-one model now because, of course, we can. You know, so with every dollar we'd raise, we'd give a dollar to, you know, Girls Inc. or some, you know, the Women's Sports Foundation or whomever. But um, we got to get with the, the fact that when girls play sports, you learn. I always said I learned more life lessons playing sports than in any other place. Agreed. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for the time, Lisa. Lisa, if people want to get in touch with you to talk about all things Ad Council, how can they do that? Well, you can email me at lsherman at adcouncil.org, or you can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter or on Facebook. I'm pretty much everywhere. I'm I'm pretty easy to track down. I think you're going to have to change your email to Shermanator. (laughs) We so appreciate the time and insight you've shared. Thank you guys so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lisa. So thank you, Lisa Sherman, for coming on the show, The Shermanator. We're going to call her The Shermanator from now on. And we're going to do Shermanator shirts. Yeah, it's totally going to be part of our capsule collection merch drop (laughs) coming soon. (laughs) But Lisa had a great note at the top of the conversation talking about the need for speed um, in times of crisis and really thinking about speed over perfection. And curious to get your perspective as a CMO and thinking about her notes and how to do that, really relying on open source briefs, thinking about collaboration, getting outside of the roster of agencies and partners that the Ad Council had worked with in the day-to-day in an effort to do that. What are your thoughts as a CMO on that being a future model that we work within? I think it's really critical. Having that center of gravity that your brand is always pivoting around is critical. And I think, you know, we talked about, quote, cause marketing. There is no such thing as cause marketing anymore, in my mind. It's what's that center of gravity? What is your purpose? And then actually pushing yourself and your organization to find partners, to find ideas that are going to bring a freshness to that perspective. is just It's kind of table stakes now. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting, you know, you and I are always been a fan of the non-brief brief. What's the idea, not the strategy? Who are we trying to really reach or what community are we trying to create? I think is really critical. And this idea of an open brief, briefs that are really focused are great, but they're also extremely limiting. I think you really got to this on the Malcolm episode where you really punted home what he was saying, which was great. Our briefs actually really limiting us to be thinking in a very different way. And sometimes that way is just, what's the obvious thing that needs to be solved? What's the obvious thing that needs to be said? And so I think this idea of open brief, pushing for new partners, new ideas is kind of the, is the new kind of, I don't want to say normal, it's the new standard. There's a point in the episode, Alexa, where Lisa talks about having a cultural compass, which I believe sums up what you're saying in terms of having that, that center of gravity to operate from. And when we think about the idea of an open brief. Perhaps we shouldn't be starting with the objective. We should be leveling up 30,000 feet and starting with what is our cultural compass. And so that is that is something I, I absolutely am going to take away from this conversation. Yeah, I love that. And you know, um, 
I also think that it's really important. You know, the Ag Council has been around a long time. Lisa explained it to us. Um, and I'm a big believer right now in the power of institutions like the Ad Council. I think they're actually more important right now because what the Ad Council is doing for the industry is actually giving us that center of gravity. And it's also giving us this kind of um, very overt sense of a collective consciousness. Yeah, she talks about it being the home base, the home base in a nonpartisan way. Yes. As a a platform for where all brands can operate from. So you can say, you know, it's so funny because like in the industry, the Ad Council Gala, it's one of the biggest events in the fall of every year. And you can say that's a gala. You can say that's an event. You can say it's fancy and you can say that there's all these, you know, who's who, who to know and who's who of the industry there. But the point of actually gathering right, the industry at something like that is about actually putting a fine point in a moment in time around that collective consciousness. So I think it's actually critical that we all, especially in a time where we're dispersed, right? We're dispersed physically, is that we're constantly always going back to and have a kind of a a center and a central voice to your point that's nonpartisan, that is really galvanizing that collective consciousness is is um, critical. So yeah, as you were saying that really uh, connected with me in terms of thinking about that gala. Yes, a a moment of time, um, but really agenda setting for the industry. And speaking of agenda setting, we have Nate Nichols, co-founder of Allyship in Action, dropping in to talk to us about the agenda for next week's State of Equity Summit on October 29th and 30th. Nate, welcome to Atlantia. Pew, 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 pew. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate y'all having me. (laughs) Nate, tell us what Allyship in Action is. What Allyship in Action is, is a platform for us to really understand the different dynamics and experiences of people um, that, you know, are Black, non-Black, LGBTQ+, non-binary, understand their experience in our role as an industry to ensure that they feel safe to ensure that they feel like they have a home and a place to thrive professionally and be retained and be promoted and not feel like they have to leave, but they actually see, you know, 20, 30, 50 years in this industry where they can be promoted and have a C-suite opportunity because to date that doesn't exist for people in marginalized communities in our industry. And so our platform exists to really be a space and place for, you know, us to come together to design ourselves in a better way to be a platform for communities that have been marginalized in this industry forever now. Tell us about the Allyship in Action event that's happening next week. So next week, we're doing our annual State of Equity. So this is our annual kick-ass summit where we have the CMO of Levi's, CMO of Sephora's, you know, Fernando Machado from Burger King and Popeye's from RBI. I'm doing a fireside chat with Mark Reed, you know, to talk about know what he's going to do with that $30 million. Talk about what it means to be a white man in this industry and to have other white men as friends who are making millions of dollars a year and ask him like, so what are y'all and your friends talking about regarding this? I'm like, what are you doing personally and professionally, you know, to ensure your friends are doing things to make change in the industry because you are influential and you have an ability to create change in communities that I don't have access to, that we don't have access to on this podcast. So it's really to have those conversations and really have people who have uh, influence and the ability to make true change, systemic change, to get them to speak on what their truths are personally and professionally. 
And that's what next week's going to be about. So how do people sign up? Yeah, you go to allyshipinaction.com. You click the see event details on the in the in the header and you scroll down and register. So we're going to assume these are not PR conversations. These are real human conversations with people and leaders in this industry talking about what they're really going to be doing. And as you said, how they and how we can all be responsible for the change. Facts. So Atlantia, you need to be in this conversation. It's not optional. And to make that happen, Laura, what are we doing? We are partnering with Allyship in Action to give away 25 tickets to next week's summit. Follow us on Twitter at at Atlantia Podcast for more information. And Nate, Allyship in Action is also offering corporate packages. Where can organizations find out more? They can go to the registration page and find a link for the corporate packs or just hit us up at let's connect at allyshipinaction.com. The Allyship in Action Summit is coming to screens everywhere next Thursday and Friday, October 29th and 30th. Atlandia, we'll see you there. And before we forget, we are two weeks from the election. It's time for Goodlandia. Atlandia, we are two weeks out from the general election, November 3rd. Have a voting plan. We are partnering up with the Ad Council to bring you Goodlandia, which you may have heard on the episode evolve from our initial thought of Causelandia. So big thank you to Lisa Sherman and team. We are bringing you this message from Goodlandia. So for this month of October, we're going to be totally focused on voting. Make sure you have a plan to vote. So speaking of having a plan, the Ad Council developed a campaign in partnership with Viacom CBS called Vote for Your Life. It makes it easy for potential voters to register to vote and make a plan to vote early. If you want to vote by mail or if you prefer to drop your ballot off in person at a local drop box or county election office, time is running out. The election is just weeks away, November 3rd. So request a ballot in time to be counted. Don't wait. Go to voteforyourlife.com and make sure you vote. This is a message from Goodlandia. Laura, hit it with the list of all of our friends and family at iHeart who have been so good to us and helped us get back on air. Big thank you to Bob, Connell, Carter, Andy, Eric, Gail, Val, Michael, Jen. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> this is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.